Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3, your phone, your tablets, your Bibles, whatever you use, John chapter 3. This is a famous chapter in the Gospel of John. For those who've read this, you might be very familiar with because it has the famous verse of John 3.16, which we'll get into in a moment. It's been interesting. Doctors have studied that at the conception when a sperm meets an egg, there are, there are explosions of tiny sparks. It's like, it's like a, a firework show that takes place. It's to highlight that very moments of new life or new birth. In fact, we could go all the way back to John chapter 1 when, when John writes that the Word gave life to everything that was created and His life brought light to everyone. At conception, there was these fireworks. You know, uh, for those that don't know, Amanda and Danny just had their baby on Friday. But I know in our, in our family here, we have a lot of mommies that are expecting they've already had babies, right? They had this new birth. Something happens, right, as we've celebrated the moment that they heard that they were pregnant. We, we celebrated the news. We celebrated these mothers, right? We had baby showers, threw parties for them. And then when that moment happens, when the, the water breaks and after the Braxton Hicks have taken place and, and now they still feel the reality of that birth, they go to the hospital and then they have labor for God knows how many hours. No. Right? There's, they, 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 they go in and then that baby comes, that new birth comes. Such excitements. They mark the calendar, right? They mark the calendar that this is the day of your birth and we celebrate birthdays and then what? And then they get a birth certificate, a little thing that reminds you of the day and the time that you have. So you have this birth certificate. But we fail to understand that after this celebration and you name the baby and this great moment, every day is the next day is closer day to the grave. Right? Every day is closer to the grave. And when we pass, we have a death certificate. They entered into this new world with life and all the experiences, and then they passed at the death certificate. And, and, and when they put on a grave, they have the birth dates and the end date, the expiration date, or the, 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 the time of death, or the, the date of death. You know, Jesus, over 2,000 years ago, came speaking about another world, the kingdom of God, and how to get into the kingdom that you need to be born again. We've heard that term before, born again. In a spiritual sense, when one is born again, he receives a, a birth certificate. We, we call that the, the Holy Spirit, the birth certificates. And the Holy Spirit validates this new birth. But when we pass, we have our spiritual birth date, but no end date. No death certificate, no expiration dates. We have been granted to enter the kingdom for all eternity, and there are no cemeteries in heaven. In fact, in John chapter 3, Jesus makes it perfectly clear that man's first birth does not assure him of the kingdom of God, only if he's born again. You heard it said that once you die once, 
Born twice, die twice, born once. You heard it, I'm sorry. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. Father, we just pray now that we understand your words of the story of Nicodemus. That we would hear your truth in this morning as we talk about what it means to enter into the kingdom, what it means to be born again, what it means to walk with you. I just praise you and I honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We started a series called Believe. Right? We, we started to because that's the whole purpose of the Gospel of John. And, and we've been doing a journey through the Gospel of John here. We're in chapter 3. In chapter 1, we get introduced to Jesus by John the Baptist, the one, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we find him on the shores in the Sea of Galilee. And as we journey through the story in chapter 2, we find him leaving the sea and going to a little city called Cana, where he, what, we, he performs his first sign, his, his first miracle. A miracle at a wedding. And the servants get to see a little bit of who Jesus is in the story. Right? And then he moves there and he goes to Capernaum and he travels to Jerusalem where he walks into the temple and he turns over the table and they're asking, why would you, how, why do you do this? By what authority do you do this? Who are you? Because the money changers have been manipulating the house of God for its selfish purposes there. But it said that during that time, there were many signs and miracles that Jesus had done, and many believed him, but he did not commit himself to him because he knew man and he knew their hearts. That's how chapter 2 ends, going into chapter 3, where he's still in Jerusalem. And... This man, Nicodemus, is watching this all take place. He's watching all that's happening here. And he comes to Jesus at night to have a conversation with Jesus. And, and that's where we're at in, as we enter into chapter 3 of the Gospel of John. Because this encounter with Jesus is going to change his life. Amen. My prayer has always been when you come to church that though I get to meet you, the greatest encounter is that you would have an encounter with Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that can change you. Pastor P can't change you. The pastors can't change you. The church can't change you. Only Jesus can change you. Only by his spirit can there be transformation and change. And so we're going to look at a couple things this morning. The first thing is this, that... In the new birth, there needs to be a new birth. It's necessary that we're born again. And so the new birth is necessary. We see that in John 3, 1 through 8. Many of you know that uh, in last year, 2020, I'm sorry, two years ago, my mom passed away. But in the latter part of 2019, uh, we watched my mom experience some unusual behaviors. She, she was not acting herself. We noticed that something was wrong when she began to put clothes on backwards and she began not to be herself. And there's a moment where she came in and you know when you go into buildings and they have those automatic doors and she walked up and she stood there and the door opened up but she didn't enter into it. She just stood there at the door. We're like, hey mom, come on in. And she, she just 
door, the doors, oh, the doors up, come on in. And then we had to coach her in. She was having these unusual behaviors, and we later discovered that she had a, a cancerous tumor in her brain that was pressing in, that was affecting her eyesight, and so she couldn't see, it was, and she couldn't enter into buildings. She didn't know where she was because it was uh, affecting her. It affected how she behaved, how she acted. In some way, that's what sin does in our life, right? It can affect our sight and how we walk, and it keeps us from entering into the full life that God has created us for. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night to have a discussion with Jesus, who he is, and Jesus begins to correct his vision, how he sees things that he might enter into the kingdom. And the first thing he dresses in the conversation is this, is that one must be born again, number one, to see the kingdom. Number two, must be born again to enter the kingdom. But let's look about how we foresee the kingdom. Isn't our prayer, like Matthew, the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as is heaven, that we as a church are as representatives and that we represent the kingdom and by how we walk, what we do is a reflection of the kingdom and through the church, the people should see a little bit of the kingdom of God. But one must be born again to see the kingdom. Look at verses 1 through There is a man, there was a man of the Pharisees, Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we, do not, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus, Nicodemus comes. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. A Pharisee was a, a religious man. A Pharisee was a moralist. The word Pharisee means to be separated or separatists. This would have, you had Pharisees and Sadducees. The, the, the Pharisees would have been the conservatives and the Sadducees would have been the liberals and, and, the, and the Pharisees were the moralists and they were the, the people that saw themselves as righteous and they obeyed the law and they walked with the law and they tried to do good things and they believed in the supernatural and, and they tried to walk closely with God but they honored the word and so they were very strict, very good, very moral people. That's who Nicodemus was. We, we see this. We see Nicodemus here. It's his first appearance in the Gospel of John. There'll be actually three times where we see him in the Gospel of John. But we see three things as a Pharisee. He was religious, he was rich, and he was a ruler. In fact, his name means conqueror, victor, but it was a Gentile name. His religion made him walk very strictly. He was a moralist. He tried to follow morals. He was, a, he was a guy about rules. You don't break the rules. You live by the rules. You live by the Ten Commandments. And so this is who Nicodemus was, right? And he, he believed in good and evil. Some of us with God can walk like that. Oh, I'm a good man. I'm a good person. I'm a moralist. The, the purpose of the church isn't to make you moralist. Yeah. 
The purpose of the church isn't a behavior modification that you could be better. That's not the purpose of the church. In fact, you condemn yourself when you try to walk like that because we all fall short of that. It's too hard. It's too hard to walk like that. We won't make it. That's actually torment. To try to be a moralist is torment because you're always trying to do better and be better and get better. That's work. And, and I think because Nicodemus was this type of guy, that's why he came to Jesus because though he was a moralist and, and though he was good, there was something still missing with him. There was something still lacking. There was something that wasn't working. And, and, and he also, not only was he a moralist and, and a Pharisee, he was a ruler of the Jews. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He was the high of the high of the Pharisees of, of the 70 rulers of the era, like a, like a Supreme Court that would make judgment on people. He had power. He had money. He had prestige. He had everything. If you talk about a vocation or a position in the religious group, he was at his peak. Everything that the eye could behold, Nicodemus had. He was like, there are three people that kind of had that status in the scriptures. We see Nicodemus, we see Paul, and we see the rich young ruler. All had this. Jesus not only ministered to the low, he ministered to the high. That's why whosoever believe. <laughs> he, he, he had no partiality of where you were. He, he loved all. But here he's coming to a man that's coming to him at night who was a Pharisee. He was a ruler of the Jews. And he was rich. Because many believed he is one of the wealthiest men in Israel. He appears to, in the Gospel of John, three times I said, number one, we see him here. Number two, in John chapter 7, when he's defending Jesus, when the Sanhedrin wanted to kill him and come against him, so we know that there's the work of God being done in Nicodemus' life. Later, we see him in John 19, when he's with, with Joseph of Arimathea, burying Jesus' body and providing the mirror of the fruit. And so we know that he was a wealthy man because he could buy those very things for burial. So he had power, he had prestige, he had wealth, he had everything you could imagine. And yet something was missing. And so Nicodemus is a seeker. He comes to, to Jesus at night in the story. There's a debate why, why did he come at night? There's a lot of different ideas of, of why he would come at night. Some thought because he was a Pharisee, he didn't want his homies, the other Pharisees and the, and the leaders, the rulers said, to see him come to Jesus because they already kind of marked Jesus out. Anyone who hangs out with that guy, man, you're going to get in trouble. You know, yeah, so maybe he's coming at night because he wants to have this moment with Jesus, but he doesn't want anybody else to know that he's going to meet with Jesus so he doesn't get in trouble. Some believe maybe he comes tonight because of fear. He comes tonight that he's trying to, on a secret mission with God and trying to seek who this Jesus is. Others believe that he came because wherever Jesus was, there was a crowd, the commotions and healing. And he knew that if he did it at that time, he wouldn't have any conversations and he wouldn't have time with Jesus to ask questions. And he wasn't going to have some personal time with Jesus. And so maybe at the cool of the night, he just says, I'm going to go, I got I to gotta meet this rabbi. I got to meet this guy who's doing these crazy signs and wonders and people are following him and something's happening to me that ain't working out, but he has a word for me. He has something that's different. And so he comes to Jesus at night. 
Maybe what I've seen in this pandemic is we have, we're online and we're here and maybe you're not really, you're just a seeker today and you're checking it out and you don't want your homies and friends to know that you check on the church and that you might be reading the Bible and you might be praying and so you stay online in your bedroom or your office and nobody could see you so you could check out this rabbi who transforms people. But that's okay. Because in chapter 2, it says he did invest in people because he knew their heart, but now he's going to invest in Nicodemus because he knows his heart. God knows your heart. God knows where you're at. He doesn't blast Nicodemus. He doesn't say, why are you coming at night? And why are you afraid? And why? He doesn't do that. He's, hey, let's just talk. And they're going to have conversation here. They're going to have conversational evangelism. Jesus is not going to come. He's going to talk. Going to talk about who he is here. He just wanted a quiet moment, I think, with Jesus to, to process some things. He was a, Nicodemus was a discerner. He saw something in Jesus. He said, you, you, the things you, you must be of God by the things that you do. Right? Rabbi, teacher. You have come from God. Because <laughs> you cannot do the things that you do if you're not from God. That was his conclusion in his mind. I, this, this, is, this is my supposition. This is what I, I believe is who you are. The works you do, the words you speak. You, weren't, who, who, you didn't even have a rabbi. In that culture, when you were a teacher, you would follow other rabbis to teach you. Who's your rabbi? You're the great rabbi. By what authority you come? This is the one we worship, this rabbi. Right? And I love Jesus. He, he gets right to the core of the issue because he knows what Nicodemus needs. Like God, he, God knows what we need. And right away, in verse 3, he says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is having a face-to-face. -face. He, he's beginning to introduce right away in verse 3 the gospel and his conversation. Most surely I say to you, unless you're born again. I love this. Let me tell you the truth. Let me give you some revelation. As with some pastors and leaders from our church yesterday, with some time with them. And we were talking about the gospel. Let me tell you something. Until you come to revelation of who Jesus is, you'll never follow him. The word revelation means spiritual insight. I can tell you about Jesus. I can point you to scripture about Jesus. I can tell you he's a good teacher. He's a good rabbi. He died in boys and again. I can tell you, but until you have an encounter with Jesus, you'll never follow him. Until you get a revelation of who he is and taste who he is, you'll never follow him. That's why he's going to Nicodemus. Let me tell you something, Nicodemus. Unless you're born again, unless you have an encounter and have a revelation with God, you will never follow me. You'll never lay down your life for me. You'll never give it all up for me until you have that moment with me. 
And the sad thing is, some of you will never have that moment. Preach and teach, Pete. That's sad because he said there's a wide road and a narrow road. Very few find a narrow road. That's scary for me. Come on, come on. That's a scary thing. Yes, sir. See, he's saying you need to be born again in order to see spiritual things because the natural eye and the mind will not understand spiritual things. So natural birth, your Jewish heritage, Nicodemus, because you're from the Jews, your racial identity will not get you into the kingdom. Come on, come on. In fact, it was widely taught among the Jews that at that time, since they, they were descendants of Abraham, they were automatically assured of heaven. In fact, some rabbis taught that Abraham stood watch at the gate of hell just to make sure that none of the descendants actually wandered in there. They believed that. But you must be born again, unless you're born again, unless you cannot see the kingdom. That word born again, it's an unusual word, right? You people are born again, what, is, what does that mean, born again? It means to be born from above. It means to, to, to have a new life. It's a, it's a spiritual rebirth. In fact, guys, this verse is the verse where we got our name. New Vision Church. It's actually New Vision Christian Fellowship with a long version. That's our 501c3 name. But New Vision Church comes from this word. When I sat down, the Lord gave me this verse. And I believe that unless you're born again, your eyesight and how you see things will never change. But when you're born again, you'll see things differently. You'll have a new vision, a new way of seeing things. And I believe every one of you have been gifted by God when you're born again to live out a kingdom purpose. And God will give vision of what that is. And God will empower you with what that is. And you'll live out your kingdom purpose because he's giving you no way of looking at things. That only comes by his spirit. It only comes by his spirit. If you hear everybody's story and how... Now they're walking with God when they didn't walk with God. They had an encounter with God somewhere in their life and God did something inside them and now they see thieves. How does a drug addict who used to be a thief and a drug addict no longer be a thief and a drug addict? Not because the man made him go to an AA program or made him go to a rehab program. And many people tried that. And they were like the man in the, in the, in the, in the tombs who were gaffled up all the times and nobody could contain him. Nobody, they locked him down. They put him away. He broke the chains until Jesus touched him. He didn't come into his right mind. Unless you're born again, you'll never come and understand the power of what it means to walk in your right minds. And so Nicodemus comes, you're uppity-uppy, Nick. I know you're up here. I'm going to bring you down a little bit. Come on. Let's, let's be born again. Let's do a, a renovation of your life here. That's what it means to be born. God, this is a life renovation, and it has to do with a regeneration, which means that the Spirit changes us. And then we're going to be regenerated by the Spirit, made new by the Spirit. That's why the old is gone and the new has come because we're a new creation. That's the regeneration process in our lives. Amen. So you have to be born again in order to see the kingdom. And you have to be born again in order to enter the kingdom. Look at verse 4 or 8. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he is old? That's a great question, right? 
Can, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus, most are sure they say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes or, or where it goes. So everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus asks a question after Jesus poses who he is and what he needs to do. How can a, how can a new birth be possible? How, how, can, how can this happen? Many of you might have asked that question. How, how did you change? What was it that happened to you? Nicodemus is a smart guy. He's an educated man. He's a stutter of the law. But let me tell you, a seeker asks questions. A seeker has an openness of heart. There's something in him that's stirring. His religious covering, his traditions, his practices were not satisfying. He needed something new. And so Jesus gets in this conversational evangelism. And Jesus is being, what, friendly with Nicodemus. I love that. He's being patient with Nicodemus. He's loving Nicodemus. He's working with Nicodemus. And God will do that with us in our journey as Dan talked about ankle deep and knee deep and waist deep in the journey. God will be patient with you in the journey. He's patient with Nicodemus and the, the process of understanding what it means to be born again. But he's asking, Nicodemus, what are you talking about? Do I need to crawl up into my mother's womb? That's crazy. Think about that. <laughs> but he's thinking in the natural. He's not thinking in the spiritual. Right? And when you read the Bible, if you're not born of the Spirit, you're going to speak in the natural, not in the spiritual. You're, you're not going to understand the language of the Scriptures because you're thinking in the natural. And so he's processing, like, there's actual physical new birth. I got to start this all over again. I'm, I'm old. How am I going to do all that? That's impossible. Right? Can you imagine Nicodemus is working the side out in his mind? The words you speak are mind-blowing. You know, maybe he's still thinking about his moral life, his, his, his good life. Are you saying I get a do-over? Or how can you teach an old dog new tricks? I'm old, how, how can you teach me? I remember my daughter, because he, he's thinking in, in, in the specifics. I remember when I was, me and my wife were driving, and my, my oldest daughter at the time was probably about two years old. She's sitting in the car seat in the back. We're going. We're traveling somewhere. And, and she used to have, like, a stuttering problem when she was younger. So she was trying to tell us something. And she's like, dup, 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 dup. and so I drive and say, hey, Eric, just spit it out, Erica. And she goes, <laughs> and she spit. Because... She, she heard me say, spit it out. So she naturally thought she said she had to literally spit. And then I wiped the back of my neck. No, that, that's how we think sometimes. We, 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 we think that, okay, I got to go back into my mother. That, that's the natural thought process that he's trying to process the things. That, guys, when you're coming here, some of you are coming here for the first time. Maybe you're unchurched. Maybe you've never been. Never you've gone to Judea. You don't have any religious background. I want you to ask you to be patient. Be patient. Just keep coming and keep hearing. You'll get it. 
It will, it will ring. It will, it'll, it'll be well with your soul. It'll, it will come together. The picture will come together. You just be patient and let God's word do what he does. And let Jesus do what he does. It will happen. And all of a sudden, you're going to have that moment in your life where like, snap. I get it. Because God will have that moment with you. Like he's had this moment with Nicodemus. Because one needs to be born again by the Holy Spirit. We see that verse 5. What are you talking about? You must be born with water and spirit. And he gets into that. Moses, I surely, I say you must be born of water and spirit. Jesus knew the, what, the birthing process. He was probably using the illustration, right? Mothers, you started with the Braxton Hicks. You had the false labor. You had the pregame labor. Then your water breaks, right? And the game is on, right? You're off to the hospital. The new birth is coming. Same thing, guys. Right, you're here, you're hearing, you're listening. You don't realize it, but you're getting impregnated by his word. Amen. The word of life is being planted in you. Amen. The seed of his word is being planted in you. Come on, come on. Right? That's kind of a weird thought, huh? That's weird. <laughs> but but it's happening and, and, and something can start growing inside. Something start happening inside you. And that's why Jesus is saying, Let me tell you what how the process of this born again thing works. Wow, what's what is this? Now, there are many thoughts to this about being born with water in the Spirit. One, one thought, maybe the water and the Spirit, symbolic, symbolic of, of the water, symbolic of baptism. Like when you, when you, when you, when you get saved, we, we get baptized, right? We go and, and get immersed and we identify with Jesus in the be- death, burial, and resurrection through, through baptism. So there's an identification, like born of water, that's symbol of baptism. Second might be the word, like the water symbolic of the word, because we know in Ephesians 5, he talks about husband, wash your uh, wives with the watering of the word. So we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So you've got to hear the word, and then the spirit comes and works together. And baptism, the spirit comes and works together. Amen. That might be another thought. But I like this one. The idea of repentance and regeneration. Because... What's the context of the Gospel of John? We find John introducing, John the Baptist, introducing Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he's going to have a role throughout scriptures a couple of times as we get through the Gospel of John. John was baptizing people for the works of repentance, right? You're baptizing for the works of repentance. But the continuation of that prophecy is not only do we repent, but we need to be regenerated or filled by his Spirit. Amen. He said that, I come baptizing with water, but another one comes is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Right? We, we, we know that passage, that, that man is the baptizer of, of us, and we baptize, and we, we come to repentance. All repentance means is just we change your mind the way we think. We change our ways. We say, Lord, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to follow you and go the other way. That's, that's all repentance means. And we're saying, God, I just believe that you're true, and I'm going to go towards you. That's repentance. That's, that's what it's all about. But we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. But when you look at the passage, though, when you look at what the Scripture says, uh, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot attain the God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. We're flesh people. We're born of the flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's a, something happens supernaturally. God makes us spiritual in the sense he lives in us. So do not marvel that I say you must be born again. Now, here it is. Here's the key. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit. Mm. 
It was raining today and the wind was blowing a little bit. Though we can't see the wind, we can feel the wind. We don't know where the wind comes from or where it goes, but we sense the presence of the wind. He's giving a picture of the, the role of the Holy Spirit is what he's doing. And this Holy Spirit is what lives in us by faith. When we call on his name, then he comes and dwells in us, and he makes us born again. And John would later write in John chapter 7, he said, He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing him would receive. Would receive. Listen. Who's the Spirit? It's the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's right. Come on. The scriptures describe the Spirit as love, for the fruit of the Spirit is love. The Bible says that God is love. Come on. That's the evidence of a believer. Jesus said, They'll know you're my followers, they'll know you're my disciples when you love one another. I believe the mark of one who's regenerated, one who's born of the Spirit, one who walks with God, loves one another. Loves. That's the mark of a believer. The problem with the world is we're unloving. Maybe it's because we don't have the Spirit. That that is the mark of a believer. He says, and I give you a seal, a mark, which is described as the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what transforms us, changes our way of thinking, our way of living, because we now walk in the law of love. In the law of love. And love has demolished the dividing walls. Love now can take an enemy and make him a friend. Love now can forgive. Love now can remove bitterness. Because the Bible says, love your neighbor as I have loved you. That's the center of love. And we're called to walk by. And we're called to walk in love. So we need to be born again. Here's the second thing. The new birth will open our understanding of the gospel. Because we have the spirit, will open up our understanding of the gospel. We see that in 9 through 15, right? Guys, we have to acknowledge that we don't know everything. Even though some of the young people think they do, they really don't. Even some of the adults think you do, but you really don't. Okay, we don't know everything. Look at I'm a novice at coffee. I don't drink coffee. My wife don't drink coffee. Like, we are like, that's the dark side for us. My staff loves coffee. They're trying to win me over to the dark side. Coffee, all coffee is, is Christian crank. That's all it is. Right? It's legalized crank. That's all it is. Some of you cannot get your day going unless you have your cup of coffee. Right? That's why, I'm sorry, we're feeding your addiction outside. And then we give you donuts with it. So let's just crank it all the way up. Right? If we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Now, we have some connoisseurs of coffee in this place. They know about coffee. They know how to make coffee, right? They know everything about coffee. When they speak the language of coffee, they're talking about lattes and espresso shots and cappuccinos and... Look at, I have no idea what those things are. They're not speaking my language, right? 
It's a foreign language to me. That's exactly what's happening. Nicodemus is coming to Jesus and like, dude, you're like speaking a different language to me. I, I, I need to understand this. I need to get some understanding about what you're talking about here. Right? Nicodemus here needs some clarity. And we see that in 9 through 12. Nicodemus answers it. How can these things be? I, I don't understand. Jesus answers it. Are you a teacher of Israel? Do not know these things? Most assuredly, I see that we speak that what we know and testify what we have seen. You do not receive our witness. And if you have told your earthly things, you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Like, Nicodemus ask a question. Jesus asks a question in response. He responds. Sometimes in our sharing of faith, when people ask questions, just ask another question. And that's exactly how Jesus would share his faith. Right? You ask me how, but Jesus says, as a man, as a Pharisee, as a teacher, how do you not know these things? Because we don't know everything. Right? We don't know everything. How do you not know these things? And what does Jesus do? He points him back in some ways to scriptures, I'd imagine. Right? He, did you miss Ezekiel chapter 31, 37, verse 5, when it says, Thus says the Lord of these bones, talking about the, the dry bones that he gave a vision to Ezekiel, the Lord speaking, there was these dry bones, and he goes, I want you to speak into it here. And so the Lord said, These bones, surely I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. It's a picture of Israel being made new, because Israel was no longer would be lost, and Israel was the only nation that came back to life. All these nations and the history that we have, the Babylonian, the Persian, all these, they all, they all died. They're not back again. The only group that was disappeared and came back was Israel. It's a picture of Israel getting new life. And he's given a picture like, let me tell you, did you not see this? But there's a new life coming in Christ, right? In fact, the word Hebrew, the, the Hebrew word for breath is rauk. That's what it says here, breath. I will cause breath to enter you and you have the sight. That same word is the same word for the spirit. It will be the spirit that raises up these dry bones. Did you miss the fact that God's going to raise up your dry bones? Maybe you feel dry today. Maybe you feel empty. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel like you're in a desert, but the spirit is going to raise up you up to freshness. Nick Gibbs, don't you understand that the, the prophet spoke of who I was? Right? John the Baptist introduced to who I am. Nick, you can't see the scriptures of old. How... If you can't understand the old, how are you going to believe in the new? In fact, he talks about the word believe here. He mentions it seven times just in this passage. And you're still blind, Nicodemus. You just can't see. And so Nicodemus needs proof. And I love this about Jesus. Look at 11, 13 to 15 because he's going to show him proof. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes him should not perish, but have eternal life. Nicodemus, I came in the flesh. The word became flesh. I'm here. I'm God. First of all, do you see me? Right? Nobody's come from heaven and come down. Right? I descended from above. But then Jesus, what he does, Jesus says, let me tell you a story that you would know. And he takes them all the way back to Numbers, chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. And what's going on in this story is God's people are in the wilderness. And as God's people is, they always grumble and complain. No water, no food, 
Why'd you bring us all the way out down here to die in the wilderness? Oh, God, you're a mean God. How many episodes like that with God? It didn't work out for me. It's not what I had. It's not what I planned. Yet they saw the plagues. They saw the provision. They saw a lot of great things. And so they're complaining. And because they're complaining, God sends snakes out, and they start biting the people, and people start dying for their complaining. And then they go to Moses. Moses, go to the Lord and tell him to help us. And then Moses go before the Lord. And the Lord says, go make this brazen, this bronze serpent and put it on a pole and hold it up. And when people get bitten, they can look at it and they'll be healed and they won't die. <laughs> Guys, you ever go to the hospital and see this pole with the serpent? Come on, come on. Sign of healing? That's where it comes from. There you go. Teach. God knows it all, guys. Come on, come on. We have a history. And he's saying, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up that all would see and be healed. He was lifted up on a cross that all would see, was buried, lifted up and resurrected again, that he who believes in me shall have life, eternal life, and shall be born of the Spirit and shall be healed. I know some of us have physical problems and we ask God to heal us, but the greatest miracle is salvation. Amen. That's the greatest miracle that man could experience. He would have been reminded of Isaiah 45, 22, let all the world look to me for salvation for I am God and there is no other. Mm. And we see that. And we close this morning. The new birth removes condemnation. We see that in verses 3 to 16. There was this artist. His name was Billy Taylor. Billy Taylor is known to is known for his junkyard art. And what he would do is he, he'd go into junkyards and find all these things, these, this junk that people had thrown away, that had no value. And he would collect all the items and turn them into contemporary art and build it and create. And then he would turn around and sell it for thousands of dollars. He'll take that which is rejected and make it beautiful. That's what the gospel does for us. He takes all that was cast aside, the misfits, the junk, the rejected, the lost. He buys it back and makes it beautiful. That's, that's the gospel. That's what it means to be born again, right? He's given us the spirit in us. But when that comes, there's no condemnation anymore by God. Faith trumps condemnation. It, it trumps judgment. Because Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. Right? Look at the famous verse here, 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world he might be saved. Who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed the name of the only begotten son of God. The simple aspect for moving from condemnation to grace is faith and believing. For this is the work of God that you believe upon me, right? John 3, 16, guys, this is the most famous. If you've never even been to the church, you see it at the football games. The John 3, 16 in the end zone, right? You see it everywhere. Even unbelievers know the scripture, right? They don't know the context, but they know the scripture, okay? And, and, and they're familiar with it, right? 
Jesus, Jesus, in 25 words, communicated the gospel because the gospel is simple. Right? For God, the greatest gift giver, the greatest gift giver, so love, the greatest motive, the world, the greatest need, because he extends, expresses common grace, that he gave the greatest sacrifice, his only begotten son, the greatest treasure. That's whoever, the greatest invitation, because the elect are the whosoever wills, and the non-elect are the whoever wants. Believe in him, greatest opportunity, should not perish, greatest deliverance, but have everlasting life, the greatest joy and priceless possession. That's the simple gospel. The simple gospel. And Jesus came not to condemn. He didn't throw rocks at the woman caught in adultery. He didn't make fun at the Samaritan woman who had five men in her life and the one that she was not her husband. He didn't make fun of the players. He didn't make fun of the tax collectors. He broke bread with them because he didn't come to condemn. He came to save. And it was through him that salvation come. He is the mediator of salvation because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that's what faith does. Faith is much deeper than just believing. Jesus didn't die that we just believe in him. He didn't call us just to believe. It's the Bible even says in James that even the devil believes and he's not saved. So you can believe and still not be saved. You have to receive the gift of salvation. Go all the way back to what? John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Go back and read it. Because we have to believe and receive in order to be a child of God. Come on, come on. Right? We have to fall into the arms of God. We have to put our whole way into the loving arms of God by faith and trust him in all things. Why? Because Jesus came to be the light of the darkness. His coming was for a purpose, as we close, 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. Lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does not, does the truth, comes to the light. That the deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Come on, come on. What are the two reasons why people don't believe? Two reasons why they don't want to follow God. Number one, they love darkness. It says right here, they love darkness, right? They chose to live a life apart from God. He says that their deeds were evil, he described them as, right? The word darkness to love here, love darkness is the word agapo, to entertain and to invite to love dearly. They love darkness dearly. And it says here also, they love to practice evil. They loved it. And they love to practice it, right? And so the light comes to reveal the darkness. Jesus was the light. He is called the light of the world. Later we'll see that. He goes, I am the light of the world. One of the seven I am's. I am the light of the world because he wanted to bring men out of their darkness. They were lost in their own futile minds. People, guys, we were wacky in our thinking and whacking in what we did. And though it might be logical, it was illogical because the, the God of this age has blinded the mind of men that they cannot see the truth of the gospel. They blinds, they blinds, we don't understand. And he says, I have to expose the darkness so you can see the light. I have to expose your mess so you can see the truth. All right, Thank you, Jesus, for the light. Yeah. 
Thank you. When I walk into the room, I turn on the light and all the cockroaches run away. I know I better clean my house. And God comes to clean the cockroaches out of our house. They practice deeds of weaknesses, weaknesses, but God says, I even came for the most sick. He says, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick, because it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. Come on, come on. I was a sick puppy, God knew that. Amen. We have to see ourselves as sick before we can understand his salvation. We have to see ourselves as depraved before we can understand the cross. Come on, come on. Some people don't believe that. Oh, I don't need Jesus because I'm good. You're wicked. You're fallen. You're depraved. We're selfish, we're envious, ah. we're covetous. We have all that, come on, come on. right? The Bible says you fall one area of the law, you fall in all areas of the laws. Right. We're not perfect, so we need Jesus, we right? Need Jesus. But look at this, he closes with this thought. The light is those who practice the truth too, ah. right? First of all, the light comes into the world, that's Jesus. He's come into the world, right? And those who practice evil hate the light, the scripture says. The Jews hated Jesus. There are people today that dislike Jesus. You could mention God, but once you mention Jesus, it's a whole different ballgame. But then those who are transformed or born again, they walk in the light. And they walk in the light of the truth, right? Because his life is light. I love this. Jesus is calling Nicodemus out. You thought you were good by your morals, but you're dark. Now come to the light, ah. right? First Peter 2, 9 says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. Mm. Guys, as the worship team comes forward, and as we close this morning, I'll leave you the three thoughts. Number one, one must have a new birth to enter the kingdom of God. One must have new births. The new birth will give you the ability to understand God's words and ways. That as you read it, you'll begin to understand it. Last new birth will remove the condemnation of God. Because if you don't believe, you bring judgment on yourself. It's not God that brings judgment. Condemnation comes because you choose not to believe. God said, I came to save. I'm doing everything. I'm doing everything I could possibly. I sent my own son for you. I'm doing everything to bridge. I'm doing, I'm making all the work for you to come and you can reject it. We live in a free world and we can reject it. Let's pray. Father, heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for your love and blessings. Thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and, uh, you never understood what it means to be born again or be born of the Spirit. But if you want that new life, this new birth today, whether you're online watching or you're here this morning or up on the balcony or down here, and you never made that commitment, the Bible says this, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. If you want new life this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something in your seat that might be scary to you. But Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. My challenge is that you would come to Jesus by day. If you're here today and you want, I want to pray you into the kingdom, I just want you to just stand up where you're at and, and say, I want Jesus. I don't want to pray for you. Anybody here? I see you. I see you. 
Anybody else? I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. God, they're standing up for you this morning as before witnesses of people in this church. You said if we come before you and we stand up for you, you'll stand up for us because we come by faith. And these men here and women in back come by faith. Father, I pray right now your hand upon these men and women this morning as by courage, Lord, by faith they come and they say, yes, Jesus, make me new. Renew me by your spirit. And Father, I come and I ask your anointing, your, your filling of your spirit upon them that these men are being regenerated as you speak by your, by your word. Your word is true. And I pray you renew their heart and renew their mind, Father. And in doing so, Father, they're going to have the joy of the Lord. They're going to have living water in them. They're going to have experienced things that they've never experienced before because by faith they're coming and trusting you and trusting you at your word. Because you don't go back on your word. Father, we're all fallen people in need of Jesus. We need your power. We need your love. We need your strength. In our weaknesses, we need to be strengthened. And I pray right now for them as they come before you this morning. Father, they're acknowledging you. Now you're acknowledging them. I can only imagine to heaven, these are my children and who I am well pleased. Yes. Bless them today. Bless their family. Bless their relationship. Bless their relationship with their kids. Father, do what you do, Lord, when we follow you. Because you said if we honor you this morning, you will honor us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.